Tonight, who's to blame for the mass shooting at a Pittsburgh synagogue? The media party has their answer. It's October 29, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Why? consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. You come here once a year with a sign, and you feel morally superior. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. On Saturday morning, the Jewish Sabbath, a lone gunman entered a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and began shooting. He murdered 11 Jews at prayer, and he injured more, including police, who responded to the attack. The murderer was captured alive. He's reported to have said, all these Jews need to die. Was it a terrorist attack? Yes, of course it was. But it wasn't a Muslim terrorist attack shouting Allah Akbar. It was an anti-Semitic attack by someone, according to his social media posts, who thought that Donald Trump was too pro-Jewish, too pro-Israel. So it was a Trump hater, not a Trump supporter, and he hated Trump in particular for his pro-Israel stance. And of course he took it out on innocent civilians who had nothing to do with anything. Most of them were senior citizens, including one 97-year-old. Just, just terrorism, just mass murder. But of course that's not enough for the media party, especially just a week or so away from the U.S. midterm elections. As Vladimir Lenin would say, as Saul Alinsky would say, as Barack Obama would say, as Leftists always say, never let a crisis go to waste. So, of course, this was two things for the left and the leftist media. First, it was a good way to change the channel on the image of the last few months of left-wing mobs screaming at conservatives and Republicans, such as at the confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh. So it was an antidote to that, and it played to their accusation, longstanding, that Trump is a Nazi, even though Trump, in the eyes of the killer, was a Jew lover. So that's... Nothing a hundred journalists couldn't fix, though, including the Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos of Amazon. It's his way of putting the thumb on the scale of the national conversation. So the Washington Post ran a piece, as did so many other journalists, confirming that Trump is a Nazi by showing that the Jews of Pittsburgh said Trump isn't welcome there because he's too pro-Nazi. Look at this. He is not welcome here. Thousands support Pittsburgh Jewish leaders calling on Trump to denounce white nationalism. Wow, that's like a huge rally or something. Thousands of Jews support Jewish leaders against Trump. It's official people. I mean, you might not think Trump is anti-Semitic, but the Jewish people clearly do, and they would know. Except that's not really what happened, was it? Here, let me read a little bit from the story. More than 16,000 people have signed an open letter to President Trump from the leaders of a Pittsburgh-based Jewish group who say the president will not be welcome in the city unless he denounces white nationalism and stops targeting minorities after a mass shooting Saturday at a local synagogue left 11 dead. Oh, so, so it's an online petition, like getting Facebook likes. Just 16,000, eh? I mean, we've got petitions at the Rebel with 10 times as many signatures as that. Can I get an excited story in the Washington Post too? But again, leaders of a Pittsburgh-based Jewish group. So even if the 16,000 names were just clicks online, and I'm not sure how the Post knows if they were Jewish. I mean, a Pittsburgh Jewish group says Trump is racist and can't come visit them. I guess that part's true still, right? And that story ran a lot of places, same information. Here's the New York Daily News, very large newspaper, by the way, read by a lot of Jews. 
Pittsburgh Jewish leaders tell Trump to stay away unless he denounces white nationalism. I'll read a little bit from this story in the Daily News. President Trump is not welcome to visit Pittsburgh unless he denounces white nationalism and starts targeting and endangering all minorities. A group of the city's Jewish leaders said Sunday. Well, the leaders said it. For the past three years, your words and your policies have emboldened a growing white nationalist movement, said a letter signed by 11 Jewish leaders on the website of Ben the Ark, a progressive Jewish organization. You yourself called the murderer evil, but yesterday's violence is the direct culmination of your influence, the letter said. Wow, who knew that Pittsburgh was so woke? But again, if the Jewish elders of Pittsburgh say Trump's anti-Semitic, it's, it's probably true. Here's that same story in, in Mediaite, an online website. Here is The Hill, a prominent news organization in Washington, D.C. Jewish leaders tell Trump he's not welcome in Pittsburgh. So it must be true. I mean, I've just shown you four different mainstream media outlets saying the same thing. So it's settled. Jews, sorry, Jewish leaders say Trump caused, directly was their word, the mass shooting of Jews. And he's not welcome in Pittsburgh until he apologizes. Forget about the fact that the killer is an anti-Trump hater, precisely because he thinks Trump is too Jewy. Believe these four stories instead. All right, so who are these Jewish leaders? I'm curious because I read the news and because I'm Jewish. And I know that sometimes Jewish leaders are more liberal leaders who happen to be Jews. So let's check. Let's go to the website. Remember, it's a group called Bend the Ark. Here's their website. It's a George Soros-backed left-wing group. <laughs> Scroll down their website. Look, look at their motto there. How we resist, resist and win? That, that's their motto, how we resist and win. Resist and win. They're not a Jewish group. They're not studying the Jewish Bible called the Torah. They're not about Jewish schools or hospitals or pro-Israel activism or even just charity work. They're a Democrat activist group, part of the resistance. They use that language. They just happen to be a Jewish club of the Democrats, like the Democrats of various identity groups. But look at that Washington Post headline again. They don't tell you that, do they? Look at that. Jewish leaders, Pittsburgh Jewish leaders. Makes it sound like a group of senior rabbis met and with great sorrow set aside their political neutrality and banned Trump. Look, this, this is not a Jewish group. This is a Democrat resistance group playing the Jewish card as some political stunt. And boy, is it working. And oh, by the way, there's a site, maybe you've heard of it, called Charity Navigator. I use it probably once a week. It rates charities and other pro nonprofits for their financial probity, their transparency, their ethics, things like that. They give Ben the Ark a solid two stars out of four. Gee whiz, yikes. That didn't make the story either, did it? Um, I looked at the 11 names of these Jewish leaders. And sorry, but they're not. I, I, go, I just type them into Google. Their names, Pittsburgh. One's a computer guy, looks like a nice guy. One works at a hospital, looks like a nice guy. One's sort of a historian poet, looks like a nice gal. I, I'm sure they're all nice people, but they are not Jewish leaders. And they're not particularly Jewish at all, other than, I don't know, they like to eat Jewish food and maybe watch Jewish shows like Seinfeld. But look at the massive lie they have perpetrated against Donald Trump. In the name of Jews. As a Jew, they say. Well, listen, as a Jew, I object to this. But the meme has been set. The narrative was formed. And look at this. Tom Steyer, 
He's a leading Democrat donor who spent tens of millions of dollars demonizing Trump. He says, look at that in the right hand there, Dem Donor Steyer, McCarthy tweet seems anti-Semitic. He said that a Republican tweet criticizing him seems anti-Semitic, but, but he's not Jewish. He's Episcopalian. But he just knows the Republicans are anti-Semitic because someone criticized him. And since his name sounds Jewish, it's got to be anti-Semitism. Oh, by the way, even if um, he were Jewish, being Jewish doesn't give you a get-out-of-criticism-free card. You can't say to a police officer who pulls you over for speeding, oh, you're just being anti-Semitic, officer. No, you were speeding. There's a lot to criticize Tom Steyer about besides the fact that he's not Jewish. But the media has work to do, and CNN in particular was happy to do. Watch CNN go to work here. Here they are in Pittsburgh asking a Jew on the street wearing a yarmulke about Trump. I, I think you could see the yarmulke. Uh, they're asking him about Trump the bigot. Take a look. Responsible for the deaths, but to what degree do you believe, as some of the president's critics have said, that he's responsible for the environment that would have fed some of what we're seeing, this growth in anti-Semitism based on some of his rhetoric? I have to tell you, Victor, I've been following anti-Semitism all of my adult life. I have never heard a strong, a stronger statement than the statement the president of the United States made yesterday. He said in his rally in Illinois that if you are going to try to destroy the Jewish people, we're going to destroy you. I've never heard a non-Israeli figure anywhere, not a European leader, not an American president, ever say such a strong statement condemning uh, anti-Semitism. And I think one of the reasons why is that anti-Semitism hits the president close to home. His whole family, his family. I think that was a yarmulke. By the way, that's a former ambassador. Um, yeah, by the way, have you forgotten, as CNN has, that Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, she converted to Judaism, married Jared Joe Kushner, uh, Trump's grandchildren are, are Jewish. Trump, in terms of policy, is so pro-Jewish, it's dramatic. He, he just moved the embassy of the United States to Jerusalem, for example. He's cut funding to the Palestinian Authority. But CNN wouldn't stop with this theme that Donald Trump, who goes by the Yiddish word for grandpa, Zaidi, CNN didn't stop implying that he's an anti-Semite and he caused all of this. Here, they actually spoke to the rabbi of the attacked synagogue himself. Maybe they actually believed their own lies that 11 Jewish elders rejected Trump. Surely the rabbi of the synagogue himself would echo that. Yeah, no, he didn't. Here, watch this. President Trump has talked about coming to Pittsburgh and coming to your synagogue in the aftermath of this. Do you want him to come? The, rab the president of the United States is always welcome. Um, I'm a citizen. He's my president. He's certainly welcome. I think that's the right answer, isn't it? I mean, who would bring politics into a mass murder? I mean, other than the media. Boy, the Washington Post went hard on this story. Here's the Washington Post again, a column by Julia Yaffe. Um, headline, how much responsibility does Trump bear for the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh? I'm going to go with zero but I'm not a senior Jewish leader from Pittsburgh. Uh, is that who Julia Yaffe is? She is Jewish, but she's not a Jewish leader from Pittsburgh. I'm gonna show you a tweet with profanity in it. So if you don't like looking at swears, look away for a moment here. Um, here's who Julia Yaffe is. Either Trump is F-U-C-K-I-N-G, his daughter, or he's shirking nepotism laws, which is worse. That's what she tweeted about Donald Trump and his own daughter. He, he was saying he was raping his own 
daughter, that is so bizarre, that is so gross, that is so obscene, that is so disqualifying. How can you say that in private, let alone in public, as a journalist? She was sacked from some media, but she was snapped up by others, and she's obviously qualified to work for the Washington Post, so you know she's giving quality journalism because she's so even-keeled. They'll print anything over there. Oh, by the way, here's that same Julia Yaffe drinking with Richard Spencer, the white supremacist who tweeted drinking with the enemy and a picture of her. Maybe the Post will do a follow-up on how much blame Julia Yaffe should get for the murder. The answer is none. It was the murderer himself. But, but what did Trump himself say? A lot of people trying to blame Trump. What did Trump say? Well, he gave a beautiful short speech on the subject. He also tweeted to the world, his 50 million plus viewers. He said, all of America is in mourning over the mass murder of Jewish Americans at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. We pray for those who perished and their loved ones. And our hearts go out to the brave police officers who sustained injuries. This evil anti-Semitic attack is an assault on humanity. It will take all of us working together to extract the poison of anti-Semitism from our world. We must unite to conquer hate. It's pretty categorical. Oh, and the flag in the White House was flown half-mast. Ivanka obviously put out a powerful statement of her own. So did so many. But again, this was a moment about branding Donald Trump as anti-Semitic. So who cares what he actually said? And a lot of liberal Jews, more liberal than Jewish, piled on. Here's one from Rob Silver, a Canadian lobbyist whose wife is Justin Trudeau's chief of staff. Now, I like Rob, but he's so wrong here. But for our purposes, he serves as an excellent manifestation of liberal ex-Jews who find a use for their vestigial Judaism, playing their race card against conservatives. Here's what Rob tweeted. He said, I don't care how much you like Israel. When you attack globalists, that's code for Jews. When you attack Soros as the devil, that's code for Jews. Because the anti-Semites know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, no, George Soros is evil because of what he does, not because of the religion of his grandfather. I mean, Soros himself has renounced Judaism, as did Soros' own father. Soros bankrolls anti-Israel NGOs and Palestinian extremist groups. Soros, when he was a teenager, actually delivered death summonses to fellow Jews in Hungary by bicycle on behalf of the Nazis. So no, criticizing Soros is not anti-Semitic. Soros himself is anti-Semitic in his actions, and he himself has admitted that he doesn't much like the Jews. So it was all weird how Trudeau's inner circle was joining in this demonization of Trump. What do they have to say about it? Here's the father of Justin Trudeau's communications director. His name is Bruce Anderson. He was weighing in, he was actually replying to my own comments on this. As you can see, he's, he's re replying to me. He said, is the rebel mindset becoming mainstream within the Conservative Party in Canada, or will mainstream conservatives drive it out? Yeah, I don't even know what Anderson's stake here is, other than like Trudeau and like his daughter, Trudeau's communications chief, he's anti-Trump. But it's a bit much, don't you think, for Justin Trudeau's inner circle to hit out at Trump as anti-Semitic? Do you remember that it was Justin Trudeau who <laughs> managed to build an entire Holocaust memorial in Ottawa that did not contain a single mention of the word Jew or Jewish. How did you even do that? It would look like be building a museum about slavery without ever using the word black. How? It's Trudeau who recently jacked up his foreign aid funding to anti-Semitic schools in Gaza, which under the jurisdiction of the Hamas terrorist group, Trump cut back his funding of terrorists Trudeau filled the gap, and look at this. It's Trudeau who's trying to fast-track the friendly return of Canadian ISIS terrorists 
from Syria, Iraq. Trump is killing them. Trudeau is bringing them in. So yeah, is it really the right moment for such a man as Justin Trudeau and his inner circle to weigh in on Trump's alleged anti-Semitism? But look, expect a lot more of this in the next week or so. I see in the polls that Trump's approval rating is back up again. And his support is particularly high amongst blacks. Expect some next attack on that issue. We had the feminist attack, the absurd allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. That backfired. We're in the midst of the Jewish attack on Trump. I don't know if that's working. Media seems to be working it. Expect a black moment in the next week. Oh, and the caravan from Mexico, that's the Hispanic moment. These are all media attacks in the next 10 days. This is all ethnic identity politics. They're trying to make all of these groups feel like Trump hates them. I can tell you how much of a lie this all is from a Jewish point of view. Trump's the best friend the Jews in Israel ever had. I only hope the blacks and Hispanics and women can tell how much of a lie this all is about the smears against Trump message to them. Stay with us for more. Why bring these people back to Canada at all? The Brits just strip them of citizenship and say, sorry, you can stay there. The French actually send in special forces hit squads to kill their own citizens. And we see global affairs reaching out and saying, would you like to come to Canada? And Canadians are wondering, why on earth would you do that? Well, there are uh, global affairs has their own work to do in, in difficult parts of the world. And I think, uh, I think we can probably expect people to reach out and say, is this possibility there? So why let them come home, though? Why not just leave them there? Well, I think the thing, we don't believe in two-tier citizenship. And if someone's a Canadian citizen, we're responsible for them, whether we like it or not. That's Karen McCrimmon, the Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister for Public Safety, namely Ralph Goodale. Uh, I hadn't heard of her before, and I hope I don't see too much of her. She's just as irritating as the rest of the Liberals, saying we have a duty to bring home ISIS terrorists from around the world. In one particular case, Jihadi Jack, a British citizen who has some obscure indirect claim to Canadian roots, of course, he doesn't have them, but Trudeau is actively liaising with him. He's a accused terrorist in custody of the Kurdish Peshmerga. I should say there is some truth to the fact that if someone is a Canadian citizen, there is a legal and perhaps even a moral duty to help them out, even if they've committed crimes. But what about dual citizens like this Jihadi Jack, who has no ties to Canada? Why would he bring them here? And also, where was this zeal for bringing home Canadians, especially Canadian prisoners, where was it when Canadians have been taken hostage around the world, as Canadians have been, for example, in the Philippines? And Trudeau does nothing and lets our Canadians die in those cases. I have a lot of questions, and joining me now to helpful, hopefully answer some of them, but maybe ask some of his own, is our friend Lee Humphrey, who is the founder of Veterans for the Conservative Party of Canada and president of James International Security Consulting. Lee, great to see you again. I do think that if someone has a Cana is a Canadian citizen, they have some claim to our power as a nation if they're in trouble overseas. But, but surely that ought to have limits. And surely if someone's a double or triple citizen, 
we don't have to rush over and say, come on home, we love you. No, absolutely not. I mean, we have certain obligations uh, under our laws and under our citizenship laws that that we must fulfill. And and uh, providing consular assistance is an example, um, ensuring that uh, you know people are are treated uh, within the the bounds of decency when they're arrested or being tried or being uh, sentenced to prison or serving their terms overseas. Uh, but there is. Uh, occasions, you know, when I hear a minister say we don't want to have a two-tier system, we we only have to point out that just recently, uh, the the Trudeau government stripped a citizen of their citizenship, a dual citizen, uh, because they had participated in Nazi Germany and the, as a prison guard, and they sent them packing back to Germany, where they'll be tried and sentenced. And and so, I, I think if if we're okay with doing that for uh, those that participated uh, in the horrors uh, of World War II on the side of the Germans uh, as members of the Nazi uh, party, uh, we should be okay with doing it for those that decided to take up arms against Canada and our allies and fight for a terrorist organization like ISIS. That's a great point. And again, it's the dual citizenship in the case of the Nazi you referred to. He also was a citizen over there. So it's not like we were making him a stateless person. We're just saying you can't hang out here as a, as, uh, because of your convenience. There's one more thing I'd like to raise, Lee, is that if someone has committed a, a crime, including a war crime overseas, and even if they're 100% Canadian, they don't have any other citizenship, bringing them back to our country doesn't mean setting them free. It ought to mean prosecuting them under a variety of anti-terrorism laws that don't require the kind of proof, well, you threw this grenade on this day and you shot this sniper bullet on this hour. Just simply going over there, offering moral or financial support, that's all it takes to prosecute an, a returning ISIS terrorist. You don't have to prove what they did on the ground. But as far as I know, Lee, none of these returning ISIS terrorists have been, terrorists have been prosecuted even for going there. We, I mean, I, I understand it would be tough to prove what they did over there. But simply going there is a crime on our books. And I don't think any have been charged, have they? No, none have. And I, th I think that's the problem uh, I and a lot of Canadians have with this is that we'd be okay with having these people, these Canadian citizens by birth, uh, brought back to Canada if we felt that they were going to be uh, charged and if convicted, properly sentenced uh, to serve time for the crimes that they've committed by supporting a terrorist organization. I mean, we do have to remember that Canadians, both those that were born here and those that, that chose Canada, joined their armed forces. They volunteer for their armed forces and they went to Iraq. They went to Afghanistan to fight against this. And many of them came home under flag in flag draped coffins. And the idea that these other folks decided to go and fight for the other side and there's no repercussions, I, I just, I don't think that sits well with Canadians. It certainly doesn't sit well with me uh, or, or those, uh, as you say, on the veterans uh, for the Conservative Party page that support us. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think when Justin Trudeau cut a $10.5 million check to Omar Khadr and gave it to him in a manner to shield that money from the victims of Omar Khadr's murder. I think that 
was a shocking moment for most Canadians, and it proved how disconnected Trudeau's own sensibilities were on this, and the fact that since then, at least two other accused terrorists have been paid $10 million for some procedural error and how they were treated. I think people are on high alert, because if, if, like you say, if they were brought back to Canada, but made to face justice here, I think people could say, all right, there are there are pirates, there are terrorists, but we'll bring them to justice. I think people don't believe Trudeau will do anything other than set them free and maybe even pay him some cash. Let me show you a, an exchange from question period, Lee, between Andrew Scheer and Justin Trudeau. Take a look. Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister has an opportunity to explain to Canadians why his government is taking it upon themselves to invite a British citizen who has fought with ISIS to Canada. Why? Why? Mr. Speaker, the member opposite is uh, once again trying to distort and create political crises where there simply are none. We take extremely seriously, as any government would, the safety and the security of Canadians. We will continue to work with our intelligence agencies, with our security, issue, uh, security officers, uh, to ensure that Canadians are safe uh, and uh, continue to demonstrate that we understand how important it is uh, to keep Canadians safe. Well, I don't find that very very assuring. Uh, it's a, sort of a blathery answer, not, not a lot to hang anything on there. Um, the one thing that came through to me there, Lee, was the glum faces in the Liberal cabinet. I saw Catherine McKenna there and some others. I, don't, I, I think they know that Justin Trudeau's center of gravity on this issue is far outside the norm. They probably agree with Trudeau, by the way, but they know that whenever he's talking soft on terrorism, they're losing points with the Canadian public. That's my sense. I don't think we learned anything from his words, but the glum faces of his cabinet colleagues said everything we needed to know there. What do you think? Well, I think this is probably, you know, similar in the in the case of, of Cotter when that 10.5 million payment went out despite that not being included in the remedy uh, recommended by the Supreme Court. It was a, a catalyzing moment uh, for folks to, to, to gravitate to and understand the Prime Minister's ideology. In this case, you have somebody who was raised in the United Kingdom. Uh, I believe his father is a Canadian by birth, and, and but never applied for a Canadian birth certificate, a Canadian passport. Uh, the 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 person in, in, in we're talking about never traveled to Canada ever. Um, so again, it, it's particularly galling that that Canada would reach out, consular officials would reach out to the family to see if they could offer some help. Now, I, I, I won't blame the parents for trying to get their child out of the country, despite whatever that child did. It's what parents do. But the idea that the Canadian government would reach out to them and reassure them that the Canadian government was willing to help a non-Canadian citizen sort of goes to that whole mentality they've had over the past few weeks of helping a non-Aboriginal person by sending them to an Aboriginal healing centre, helping a non-veteran with mental health care through Veterans Affairs Canada after he killed a police officer. There, there, there just seems to be a bizarre twist of sensibilities going on yeah. 
within the Trudeau government. And and whether his cabinet is agreeing or not, or whether his caucus is agreeing or not, they're bobbleheading away right behind him uh, on most issues. Yeah. You know, I should note that until quite recently, uh, the parliamentary secretary to the foreign minister in charge of consular affairs was Omar al-Jabra, who used to be the head of the Canadian Arab Federation, which yeah. called for the legalization of terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't know if this would have been his call or Trudeau's call or the foreign minister's call, but I point out that when Omar al-Jabra ran that pressure group, Canadian Arab Federation, they said, oh, there's nothing we should legalize those terrorist groups. I wonder if that had any influence. I don't think we'll ever know. Hey, um, Lee, I want to show you one last clip, and you've probably seen this before. It's from a few months back. Um, when it goes to, I, I don't believe there's such a thing as a de-radicalization program that works. It's not like these people caught a flu that can be cured. It's a belief system. And simply telling someone, you're wrong, here's another way. They know there's another way. They've rejected it. They think they're on the true path. And the idea that th this was an accident or a sickness that can be cured, this is a belief that people will believe. But listen to how Trudeau described the voice of ISIS returnees in Canada. Take a look. I think it's now that in Syria and Iraq they've been declared defeated. There is a question of them coming mm -hmm. back to this country. And, and you can't possibly monitor all of them, can you? Yes, we have security agencies that are uh, engaged on this file very much. But there's also a lot of community outreach going on. We know that actually someone who has engaged and turned away from that hateful ideology can be an extraordinarily powerful voice. So that's Trudeau implying that a returnee from ISIS who said, yeah, I don't want to be there anymore. I'm turning away from that. I'm coming back. Trudeau thinks he can be an incredibly powerful voice to go and travel throughout mosques and uh, campuses on Canada. I, I, I can't believe he's actually thinking of taking these terrorists and I mean, unless I'm misunderstanding what he said there, that was that was his year end interview last year with uh, Lisa Laflamme. I think he's saying he wants to put someone like Omar Khadr on tour. I mean, I think that was his meaning there, Lee. It, it's almost like he, he believes that having a radical ideology uh, that that supports murdering women, children, throwing gay people off roofs is akin to having an alcohol addiction where you see a lot of successful alcohol counselors or former addicts themselves. This isn't the same thing. This is an ingrained ideology. They've rejected the mainstream beliefs of Islam and they've moved into a jihadist mode that they may be tired of at a certain point when they've lost on the battlefield, when their own lives have been threatened. But I've seen nothing to indicate that these folks can reform themselves and then convince others not to follow that same path. In fact, most that are on the jihadist path, look at those in the mainstream of Islam, look at those that re reject this type of jihadism as uh, non-believers. Yeah. So they're, they're lumped in with the rest of us uh, and they're rejected out of hand. That's a great point. They don't even recognize the, the idea of a nation state. They wouldn't even recognize Justin Trudeau as a legitimate ruler at all, wouldn't recognize, 
you know, secular courts is legitimate. You know, there's one last thing I want to throw at you because what's interesting over the last couple months, as Ontario's new premier, Doug Ford, has been getting his confidence, he's been doing some things that are symbolic. Uh, he's done a lot of substantive things, but one of the symbolic things he did was he said, if there are any ISIS returnees, uh, he will not allow them to get provincial ser social services. I don't know if that would stand up in court, but I appreciated the symbolic statement. I know he was scoring some points against Trudeau, but it was still nice to see. But I, I think he probably could try and withhold social services, and if they sued, it would be, uh, it would be very interesting. But I think, Lee, I mean, I gotta talk to a, an expert in prosecutions. Although the criminal law in Canada is written and passed by the federal parliament, I'm pretty sure that it's prosecuted by provincial prosecutors reporting to the provincial attorney general. So perhaps Doug Ford could prosecute ISIS returnees that Trudeau let back in. I mean, he would need the cooperation, I imagine, of the RCMP and CSIS. But I suppose theoretically, Doug Ford in Ontario and other provincial premiers could prosecute these terrorists if Trudeau won't. Yeah, that's that's probably about 10 steps above my uh, pay grade, uh, Ezra, and, and you would need a legal expert. But if nothing else, I, I have to applaud Premier Ford for having the courage to go against the grain in this country right now and say what, what the common person is thinking, that these folks do not deserve the social services that everyday citizens that are down on their luck or have lost their jobs through no fault of their own deserve. It, we, we need to have a social safety net in this country and it costs a lot of money. Therefore, we need to target those citizens that truly need it and need a hand up so that they can get back on their feet. And these folks aren't it. They abandon Canadian uh, freedoms. They abandon the Canadian sensibility uh, of of loving uh, other cultures and and accepting other cultures, to go and fight for a terrorist organization that that abhors all of that. They deserve nothing from Ontario and nothing from Canada. Yeah, I think they deserve a jail cell at best. Lee Humphrey, great to talk with you. I think I'm going to make some inquiries with some folks who are more familiar with which jurisdiction can prosecute who. I think it would require some cooperation from the feds because they would probably have the information about yeah. what these uh, terrorists had done. Uh, and I don't know, it would be quite something if Trudeau refused to give that federal intelligence to provincial prosecutors. But may, if, there's one, if there's a politician in Canada who would try and do it, I bet it is Doug Ford. I'll think about that some more and I'll do some research. Great to see you again, Lee, I appreciate your time. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you on the 10th out here in sunny Cal uh, Calgary. That's right, folks. If you want to see Lee in person, he's going to be at our Calgary event. Go to therebellive.com. And by the way, sales are going very strongly. I really encourage you, if you haven't bought your ticket yet, to do so in the next week or so. Uh, I guess there is only a week or so more to get the tickets because it's on November 10th. But we will be a sold-out event, that's for sure. I'll see you there, Lee. Great. Good to talk to you, Arsene. Right on. Cheers. Uh, stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel. Welcome back on my monologue Friday about a nuisance lawsuit from U.S. Democrats smearing the oil sands Liza writes, 
Trudeau, Butts, and Telford are just fine with this lawsuit. Defend Canada? This government? Never. Well, yeah, and, and I'm not saying that the Canadian government should send an intervener into court. Although, really, why not? But how about just rhetorically, morally speaking out? Wouldn't it count if Justin Trudeau, who's so dreamy with the progressive set, wouldn't it actually be one of the few things he could do well for him to give a passionate drama teacher type moment in defense of the oil sands? Pitching ethical oil instead of Saudi conflict oil. You know, he's, he's in a battle with Saudi Arabia right now, as are a lot of politicians. Imagine if he said, if you hate Saudi oil, love our Canadian ethical oil. He could actually do some good here. He won't. Robert writes, whatever President Trump does is for the American people. Whatever Prime Minister Trudeau does for the Canadian people. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know if you can say Trudeau is Canada first. He regularly presents himself as a citizen of the world. He's, he's got a shirt that says that, actually, global citizen. He thinks of himself that way. He loves going to the World Economic Forum, the United Nations. He loves dropping foreign aid around. And he just would never say Canada first. It's a shame. On my interview with Yasmin Mohammed, Paul writes, the feminist movement has been taken over by the far left and leftists could care less about people. They use people and dispose of them when they get in the way or no longer useful. They care about power and nothing else. I don't know if I'd use that entire broad brush for the left, but it is true in the case of feminism. Uh, can you find a more compelling case if you're going by the standard measurement uh, than Yasmin Mohammed, woman, immigrant, of color, Muslim? Check, 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 check. That's like a full house in politically correct poker. So why are Western white liberal feminists not rallying to her side? Well, it's because they are afraid of being called racist if they dare criticize Islam in its strictest variety, which would put her in a one-woman body bag. That's, how she, that's her key story of how she finally ripped off the niqab and went outside, and she was terrified. She'd never meet outside her house as a grown woman without that covering. Go see our only our old interview with her. So she's a very powerful case being ignored steadfastly by the mainstream media. Why is Yasmin Mohammed on The Rebel? We love to have her. But why is she not on Global, CBC, and CTV? Why is she not in the mainstream media? She's very articulate. She's very attractive. She has a very strong story. She would meet all the checklists for a great interview, but they would never give her point of view that much momentum. Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.